2: All right, here we go. Welcome into another edition of the AFC West Mixtape. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by Bill Williamson, covers the Raiders from Silver and Black Pride. We have Tim Lynch, Mile High Report, and of course, Michael Peterson of Bolts from the Blue the division is beginning to take shape here as we've now crossed over into the second half of the season. We're actually coming off a week in which there were two in division games. You had the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Los Angeles Chargers thirty to twenty-seven on Sunday night football. Right before that game, the Raiders were able to beat the Broncos twenty-two to sixteen in overtime. Right now you have the Chiefs three games ahead of the division at eight and two, followed by the Chargers at five and five, and then the Raiders and Broncos are both three and seven so and what what we thought was going to be one of the best divisions of all time kind of has been a little bit more of the same and actually a little bit worse altogether this year <clears throat> so we're going to start here and we do it every week we I should say every month that we do the AFC West State. let me correct myself we do it every month where we try to describe uh, our team's situation in one word and explain where we're at and Tim we're going to start with you in Broncos country, how is the pulse of Broncos country right now?
3: I think, for the most part, we're just probably looking ahead to the the off season. Um, you know, a lot of disappointment, just didn't work out. Um, I think the big question now is who's gonna who's gonna lead the team next year, and how well will they work with what Russell Wilson and kind of try to get that whole uh, train back on track. Um, 'Cause they did they did give him a big deal and he's here for a while and you know, they need to bring somebody in that can actually uh produce some offense.
2: Yeah, we will talk a little bit more about that as the episode goes on, but when you hand Russell Wilson a five year contract, he's not he's not the one getting fired. So you gotta try to figure it out and how to how to work it out with him and we'll see what the Broncos do as we go here. Bill, let's continue on with you. What's your one word to describe Raiders and, and where you guys are at and and what you believe is the outlook as we we get going here into the second half of the season
0: yeah i struggle with this one because you know they came off a, a win but they're still three and seven I, the, the word is lackluster and you know this we're, yeah. we're 10 uh 10 weeks into this thing and it's just it just hasn't worked thus far and you know there's been a huge disappointment um josh mcdaniel's you know under fire but he's gotten support from the owner and that's been kind of odd and some you know, there was some finger pointing from Derek Carr and Devontae Adams after uh, the previous game. And, uh, you know, but they came together and, and they won that game and they, they gave themselves some hope. But, you know, this again, this is all about a, a Super Bowl window uh, when they when they traded for Adams and they, they signed Chandler Jones to, you know, a big money deal. Yeah. And they, they signed for the core players this is a window and that window's still there. And that's the reality. So it's, it's still very disappointing, you know, you know, after a win and they can, they can make things better for themselves this year. But I mean, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I don't think they'll ever reach their full expectations from this season.
2: It's funny that the result of the game where it makes the Raiders three and seven and, and the Broncos drop to three and seven sort of differ in the answers. Obviously, you're sort of in the same boat, but it, it does seem like when you're able to get a win like that, especially in overtime, there is a little bit more hope there. I'm eager to see how the Raiders followed up against the Seahawks. We have seen odder things in the NFL than a three and seven team somehow putting it together and rallying to make the playoffs more on that in a little bit. Right. Let's go to Michael Peterson, bolts from the blue coming off a, a tough loss
1: against the, the chiefs. Mike, where, where do you feel like you guys are at? I think you gotta, you gotta say hopeful. Um, mm-hmm. This team is getting healthier obviously right before the the Sunday night game against the Chiefs Keenan Allen and Mike Williams happened to both return on the same night uh, unfortunately Williams return was was short lived after his first catch which was You know, one of his patented uh, 360 catches, toe tap on the sideline. He happened to re-aggravate his high ankle sprain. So we're not sure how long uh, he will be out again. It was a non-serious injury. But aside from that, Keenan Allen was healthy the whole game. Finished five of 94. Made a spectacular catch to help keep the Chargers in this one on a third and 18. Kept that whole thing dramatic. Uh, Joey Bosa still expected to return at some point this season. Unfortunately on Monday when Staley met with uh, the media, he said there was no update on Bosa's timetable. And at this point, with there being no numbers thrown out there, you know, he's week to week, he's, you know, starting practice X weeks from now or whatever. It kind of tells me that there still is a small chance. He, he may not return honestly until the very end of the year, if not the playoffs um, just kind of, we've all been around the NFL yep. long enough, you know, that they either say he's coming back some point soon, or, or you just kind of know that it's going to be a lot longer than that. Um, you know, defensively still ravaged with injuries and, um, Derwin James is still playing well. Khalil Mack still playing well. Um, But at the end of the day, a lot of these things, you know, call them excuses, call them explanations, whatever you want to say. Um, They seem to still be getting close to wins. Despite all of the injuries. And so that gives the fans hope thinking that like, no, this team should be able to compete week in week out. But then they play a team that's definitely not the Chiefs. And the game still is kind of close. If not, they're almost getting beat worse than the the Chiefs were able to do to them. So it's still up and down uh, so far this season. But you got to be hopeful because with seven games left, they are five and five. They could go four and three down this stretch, mimic their nine and eight record from a year ago and potentially have a small chance of making the playoffs. If they finish strong, go five and two and ten and seven. I think that's much more of a chance to push yourself into the postseason. But again, you've got the Dolphins, you've got the Titans. Those are for sure probably two of the losses they'll face. Um, But other than that, there's still a chance in the end.
2: Yeah, Michael, I, I always rely on you for a closer look at the Chargers. I'm not watching each and every game, but I, I noticed a couple things last game. And you know, they're a different team with Bosa. I, that's an obvious thing to say. And I, I think you are leaning into the idea, OK, there's no moral victories. But Keenan Allen finally looked healthy. I know that Mike Williams had to exit the game pretty quickly. So I think there are things some, to build on. I guess I want to throw it back to you for just one question. And this is just something I, I I wonder about on on the outside looking in, just because I think you you might have a better grasp of this. Why do you think it is that the Chargers seem to play the Chiefs a little bit better than they do everyone else, even even though they did end up losing this game?
1: You know that is. A tough one. Uh, something you could throw out immediately is they do see them twice a year. So they obviously right. have a footing on these teams uh, each new season that comes. The Chiefs haven't got um, they haven't differed too much in the past few seasons other than Tyreek Hill not being there. But at the end of the day, as long as Mahomes is quarterbacking that team, um, uh, they're going to be as good as they've, they've ever been Um, They found a way in recent years to to limit Mahomes. I think they've done a good chance through the air, um, not so much this past Sunday. But when they limit Mahomes, he's able to to scramble um, on the on the ground and make plays with his legs. And that usually makes up for the lack of production um, in the passing game. But overall, you know, it could be mental. It could yeah. be schematically, obviously. I, I think there is a mental factor in these division games. I mean, and honestly, it's, it's whoever plays whoever in this division. The, the Raiders, when they played the Chiefs earlier this season, it was a close game. Um, when the Raiders and Broncos play, it's close. When the Chargers play, the yeah. Raiders, Broncos, it's always close. I mean, there, there's so many things out there. Um, at the end of the day, you'd rather see them be competitive and lose than be blown out by the Chiefs. But at the end of the day, they're tough, but can't seem to get over that hump at this point.
2: Yeah, it, it is wild. I think even the Chiefs will tend to play the Raiders and the Broncos a little bit closer. And, and I think you're onto something there where they do see each other two times a year and they know each other very, very well. And so regardless of what the record is, those games are, are usually pretty good here in the AFC West. I think and I, I'm, I'm not going to use more time, but I, I feel like I have three ways to describe how the Chiefs feel when it comes to the division. I think there's a little bit of a relief in the idea that that there were that there was an arms race and you know, a lot had to do with the the quarterback too in, in Denver and it had to do with Devonte Adams going to uh, Las Vegas. And I just think we all thought, and, and even in Kansas city, I think the fans would admit they all thought the, the division would be a lot tougher than, than it's turned out to be at least through these 11 weeks. I think fans are excited because the Buffalo bills ended up losing. What was a, a, a nice edge in, in beating the chiefs and having, that that tiebreaker edge and then losing it because of the outright record. Not to say that the Chiefs will necessarily run the table, but at least they have control over potentially getting the, the AFC conference. And, you know, it's it, this is just reality. They're no doubt a little bit sheepish because a lot of people were picking the other three teams in, in the division, I think, heading into the season. And, it, and it's turned out to be, um, you know, a disaster as far as the records go in, in Denver and Las Vegas, and then certainly with the injuries once again. Um, as we see in L.A. So that's kind of how we've described the, the division uh, so far. And and we'll go into our second part of this podcast. And myself and Michael, who represent the Chiefs and the Chargers, are going to take them, ourselves out of this just because it feels like those two teams are in different places than what would be the Broncos and the Ra- Raiders. And I call this part of the, the podcast extreme optimism and extreme pessimism. And the optimism part is that even though the Raiders – and the Bron- the Broncos are three and seven at this point. As I said, we have seen insane things in the NFL where teams can go and rally and somehow get themselves back into it. So, this part we'll call extreme optimism. We're identifying six and one as a reasonable way for perhaps the Broncos and the Raiders to sneak into what would be a seventh or a sixth wild card. They would need to have that the rest of the way uh, if we think that's the bare minimum for them to make the playoffs. So, we'll go. Uh, back to you, Tim. Trying to, to imagine a best case scenario where the Broncos can go six and one. How does it happen?
3: Well, I mean, so this team, all 10 games have been decided by uh, a single score. And I, I saw a wild stat last week where if the Broncos had just scored 18 points in regulation, they'd be nine and one right now. That's how good their defense is. Um, it's just they just can't win close games. And yeah. so if I'm going to be extremely optimistic uh, that the change from play calling from Nathaniel Hackett to Clint Kubiak uh, did produce better results on the offense uh, last week against the Raiders. I think they had a potential for five scoring drives, but uh, Melvin Gordon fumbled again inside the two, and then they had the block field goal. So they only scored four times, but compared to what We've seen from that offense uh, all year long, uh, four to five scoring drives is a, is a massive improvement. So that's really where the optimism comes. If they, if they keep progressing with Kubiak calling plays and the offense is actually starting to score points, the bar is pretty low with this defense. 18 points is not a high bar. Um, and if they start winning games, that's, that's really the only way they can, they can get on a roll.
2: Tim, where is the frustration level with your readers and listeners? Just, just considering the defense has been so good and the offense had all this promise and just hasn't lived up to their end of the bargain.
3: Uh, they've wanted to hack it fired like since week three. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I, am not one of those, you know, a first year head coach, uh, you kind of, you just got to ride it out, but yeah, the fan base is obviously frustrated that the defense is incredible. I, I can't believe how well they play every single game. I, and still, I think their worst game was last week, and and they still held it down until the very end.
2: All right, Bill, we'll, we'll move on to you. And, and again, we're, we're looking at extreme optimism here. You mentioned they're coming off a big overtime win against mm-hmm. the Broncos. What do you think has to happen for the Raiders to go
0: 6-1? Well, you know, they they did this last year. They, they had their complete meltdown in the middle of the season for the second straight year. But, you know, under interim head coach Rich Bisaccia, who had a really special connection with that group last year, um, they won four games, their last four games. They had to win the last four games, and they won them all. And they were all tight, uh, you know, including Week 18 at home against the Chargers. Uh, you know, you know, winner goes to playoffs overtime game. Um, the Raiders went four zero in overtime last year, so they'll need to get that type of mojo going. You know, win the close games. The Raiders have been in seven one uh, score games, and they're one and six. Last week was their one win, of course. And what they did, and it's something that players have been preaching, is the lack of execution. Well, they executed in the final minute of uh, regulation, and in overtime, they made some really big plays offensively. And that wasn't there in the the six close losses. So that's going to have to change. And the defense is going to have to get much better. And the defense has played well against the Broncos. But we're just talking about the Broncos have the worst offense in the league. So the defense is really gonna have to change its personality and its execution and become better for the Raiders to win six out of seven games. I don't even know if that gets them there. You know, does does nine and eight get them there? Maybe. Um, They're at least three games behind eight teams in the conference right now. Um, So, you know, I think if you're the Raiders, you have to think about trying to go seven and oh yeah and um the schedule is getting tougher in their first their first 10 opponents they've uh played teams that are 42 48 and two and their final seven opponents are 37 and 33 so it gets tougher the raiders three wins are against the broncos and the texans two teams that are combined four four uh, 15 and one so again execution on offense and a lot better on defense
2: very quickly, the Raiders' remaining schedule. Seahawks, Chargers, Rams, Patriots, Steelers, 49ers, and Chiefs. So they are able to put together a few wins here that last stretch is is tough Patriots Steelers now the Steelers will have a little bit more experience with Kenny Pickett so they're, they're a little bit better later in the year you would night think, game in
0: Pittsburgh Christmas Eve
2: yeah do, you know doing that at doing that at the beginning of the year as opposed to that and then the 49ers and Chiefs are look, look both like Super Bowl contenders so there's no doubt about it. it's going to be a tough road for Vegas to get back in this thing just because they have to win pretty much every single week and with that in mind we'll go to the extreme pessimism part of this segment and let's just say it doesn't Happen for the Broncos and the the Raiders this year. We'll go back to you, Tim. What position would you like to see the Broncos target most in the NFL draft? If this doesn't work out,
3: I would have to say offensive line. uh, The the Broncos have been devastated by injuries uh, all year long. I think it's, we did uh, one of our writers did a study on, on the injuries in the past couple of years. And the Broncos have been one of the most injured teams every year uh, for the last half decade. And this year being the worst. Um, So, I think they were down to like third stringers on uh, the tackle position at one point Uh, a rookie sixth round draft pick was the center. Um, It's just been brutal. And they, they've lost Billy Turner for the year, Garrett Bowles for the year. Um, They've lost a lot of players. I can't even name them all right now, but offensive line has to be, you know, with that 49ers, uh, the first round pick they got from the 49ers by uh, trading Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. That's, that's gotta be offensive line has gotta be the target there.
2: Okay. So offensive line. Now I want to ask you a, a follow-up question as to if this doesn't go right for the Broncos, if they're not able to have this monumental turnaround, do you see them moving on from Hackett after just one year?
3: I, absolutely. I think you know, I've been covering this team for a dozen years. They're almost 14 years now. And it's the worst start to a coaching career that I've ever seen. Um, you know, he's just the the organizational skills weren't there. The play calling was was really suspect, um, and he held on to it for for too long, um, maintained the status quo, uh, and and finally he's given it up. But I I don't I'm not sure if it was quite his decision. I mean we'll never know, but. You know, they, they play a lot of really good teams down the stretch. I think the wheels could really come off fast for this team and they play the Ravens, the chiefs twice, the chargers again. And then, you know, the Cardinals and Rams aren't, you know, they're not good, but they could be good at, at times. So it's just, it's, it's a bad situation. I don't see how he could turn it around. The only way he could avoid it is to do that six to seven win run. Yeah. And that's, that's a tall, tall order. Uh, for this for this team right now
2: that is tim lynch of mile high report tim happy thanksgiving thank for you thank you for joining us here on the the afc west mixtape thanks Bill, we'll go to you now for the extreme pessimism part of this thing if it doesn't work out for the raiders what do you see them targeting in the nfl draft
0: well, you know, I, it could be one of several areas because Josh McDaniels in a total backpedaling move, saying, you know, it's all this is all about the future and kind of saying they need to do a lot of things. And that's not why he was hired. He, he took over a 10 win team. And again, they made all those moves. But if he truly feels that way, he can go, you know, any different direction. And particularly where they draft, if they draft. Number two, and they have a chance to get Will Anderson from Alabama. You go do it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a quarterback. We could talk about that in a minute. Um, but if I think you start at the offensive line, um, this this team is kind of re- reconstructed their line, and they, it still has some holes at multiple positions. So I think that's the first place you look. But again, I think with uh, Dave Ziegler, the GM, and McDaniel's, they, you know, anything is possible depending on where they draft.
2: Now, and, and I had mentioned this to you, and I, I think you probably would feel the same way. McDaniels feels a little bit safer than Hackett. Hackett feels like more of a disaster. And for several reasons, Whether you want to talk about, the cash, whatever. Right. McDaniels, I think, is going to be here next year. What other possible changes could you see to this team as we go to to turn this thing around?
0: Well, if this you know if this is a six or less win team, maybe even seven wins or less, unless they make a real run at the playoffs. I think there's going to have to be some kind of change and, you know, some kind of scapegoat and Mark Davis just blew the lid off the Raider nation last week when he told the Las Vegas review journal that not only is he keeping, not only is McGano safe, but he's doing a fantastic job. And, Mark Davis was one bad Russell this de- one bad Russell Wilson decision away from looking like a real at two and eight that that yeah. fantastic job would have really came back at him after that Broncos loss but it didn't um so yeah there there may have to be a scapegoat there's already been reports that the Raiders may walk away from Derek Carr and the way they restructured the you know the re- they redid the contract is that they can walk away with only, I think, about $6 million in dead cap money this offseason. So that could be a possibility. Uh, Patrick Graham, who came over with Josh McDaniels, hasn't done a good job with, as a defensive coordinator. Maybe he could be the scapegoat. But I think, again, unless the Raiders get really, really close to the playoffs, um, there will be some kind of major move.
2: Okay. Well, we will see if the Raiders can turn this thing around in las vegas bill thank you for joining us happy thanksgiving to you
0: you too guys take care
2: all right we're going to enter our our final segment with just myself and michael because it does seem like the chiefs and the chargers have the only realistic opportunity to make the playoffs slash do something in the playoffs and We'll go to you, Michael, here, and we look at the remainder of the schedule. You have the Chargers at 5-5. Five and five. they got the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Titans, the Rams, and then the Broncos. I, I know a lot of this has to do with injury, so it's a lot harder to predict how the team's going to do when you don't really know at what point you're going to get certain guys back. But if you had to, you had to predict it, how do you see the rest of the season going?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to stay a little bit pessimistic as well. It's kind of what I've done the last few shows. We've done this just because it's been that kind of a year, right? Like the second you get your hopes up, uh, there's another injury or two injuries or they're both at the same position. I mean, like the hits kind of just have kept coming even when the, again, against the chiefs, Allen and Williams are back. Allen or Williams lasted one or two plays and then was out. So it's kind of one of those things Uh, right now. My record prediction through the final seven games is four and three. I think, Honestly, I think if you take a step back and you before the season, you're like, hey, during 2022, all these players are going to get hurt. You're going to lose these guys for this long, these guys for this long. Um, but what if I told you, even with those losses, they're still going to mimic a nine and eight record from a year ago. I think teams would be like, wow, that's actually kind of crazy. Like, I can't believe right. they they stuck around and were able to still have a winning record after missing all pro after Pro Bowl or after Pro Bowl or what have you. So. I think four and three is actually on the lower side. I think five and two upside to the final seven games is there. Um, But I do have them at four and three. That's probably what I'm going to stick with here. Um, I have wins against the Cardinals and Raiders. Uh, They're four and seven, three and seven respectively over the next two weeks. Um, But then they have a really tough two game stretch against the Dolphins and the Titans. And I just think with, Obviously, with what the the Dolphins do well against one of the NFL's worst scoring defenses, uh, one of the worst defenses. Actually, it's by by a long shot that when the Chargers face 3 and 11 plus, teams um, are converting at a rate just under 50%. And when you account for two penalties that have allowed opponents to convert on 3rd and 11 plus, they're dead on 50% teams convert on those downs. I mean, it's absolutely insane. So you take a Chiefs team with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. They're probably going to have a good time against the Chargers. And then the Titans, it's Derrick Henry against one mm-hmm. of the league's worst rushing defenses. I think uh, in terms of yards per uh, carry allowed, the Chargers are worst at 5.5. Also, I think that's going to be the worst number in since the merger, 1970, I believe, if that number sticks. So, I mean, all these reasons to not love those two games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, auto two losses there. Uh, For the other wins, I think they have to take advantage of the Rams and just like the poor position that they're in right now. It's the weirdest season after a Super Bowl victory we've ever seen. I believe they're three and seven Broncos. Same thing with them just being so lackluster in a season with high hopes. So there's my four wins, Arizona, Vegas, Rams, Broncos. Um, And on top of the Dolphins and Titans uh, losses, I have them losing to the Colts as well. They're kind of snuck in there uh, sneakily with Jonathan Taylor, like the team overall isn't doing well. But when you've got Jonathan Taylor as your running back, who seems to be coming back on after kind of a slow start to the season, I think that's a tough game as well. You're going to have to stop a guy who scored 20 touchdowns last yeah. year, um, who looks much more like himself right now. And the Colts kind of riding the ship weirdly enough with Jeff Saturday um, as their head coach. So four and three seems like the right call for, for, I guess an expectation down this final stretch.
2: I think this is my question here. And I think it it's, sort of the most pertinent question and I, I know that reports have been it, it might take some time for Joey Bosa do you feel like Bosa and his timeline is the most direct impact to whether or not this team can sneak into a wild card
1: I believe so I think you know Mike Williams the reaggravation wasn't serious so he might miss a week and come back and I think everything will be fine there but in terms of those guys who are out for the long term uh Bosa's the real impact guy who realistically could come back and make said impact Rashawn Slater, like early on right after his injury, I think they said that, you know, depending on how well it goes, he might be able to sneak in for the final week into the playoffs if they do that. But Bosa being able to come back for those final, I don't know, maybe three games I think would be absolutely huge. It'd be tough to see him miss, you know, a month plus after all the time that we've already seen without him. Um, but him being able to come back and reestablish some form of a pass rush with the Chargers would be absolutely huge. Uh, early on, Bosa was gone. Uh, Chris Rumpf Jr., who was their edge three, uh, missed for a while. And they've been playing Kyle Van Noy, who's mainly been an off-ball linebacker, as their second edge rusher. And while he's mm-hmm. he's always kind of been versatile to play that role enough, he did it with the the Patriots and the Dolphins in his career but he's not a full-time edge. He's right. more of a guy that sometimes you put him on the edge and, and he's a, a little bit better of a setting the edge for, for run stops and things like that. He doesn't have a full toolkit of pass rush techniques and counters at his disposal to rush the passer down and then down out on passing situations. So um, overall, yes, I just think right away, it just upgrades from uh, one of the worst pass rushing units in the NFL to a pretty good one if Bosa returns.
2: Yeah, I mean, watching the the Chargers, I you know, from my perspective, it really looked like a team. Like if they played like that every single game, I think they could tip the scale from what you are predicting four and three to five and two. But it does seem like they just don't play the other teams as as more difficult as they they do the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll see if one of those can swing the Chargers' way and and get them into the dance. I I think nine and eight it'll be iffy if they can get one more of those wins. I I think it's going to be a good chance that they could at least get the seven seed and. If Bosa – that's the thing, Mike. I mean, if Bosa is back and you sneak into the seventh seed, I, I don't think the Chargers are, are a team you'd want to play in the playoffs.
1: No, I don't think so, especially if, if the theme continues that if you're yeah. a better team facing the Chargers, the Chargers are going to give you every shot that you can you can possibly right. handle. Um and, you know, at this point, I, I think if I had to predict whether they do get a wild card spot, I, I honestly, in my gut, I just feel like they don't. I think uh, with teams like the Bengals, the Patriots and the Jets all uh, in better positioning as of right now, they're all a game ahead. Uh, the Chargers are not predicted to to make a spot right now. I think their percentage is around 31%. I mean, you'd have to have probably two of those three teams ahead of them crumble a bit more um, down the stretch. But overall, I mean, the Jets are like if they can figure out QB or even get serviceable quarterback play they're probably making the playoffs over the Patriots, but then the Patriots, they're still Bill Belichick probably making it. Burrow is getting Jamar Chase back after still being six and four after, you know, missing him for the last month. So it just doesn't seem likely right now, unless, you know, some wild stuff happens in the next couple of weeks.
2: And I'll, I'll end here. And I didn't put this in the rundown, but I, I mm-hmm. think it it's worth a similar question that we had for Tim with Nathaniel Hackett. Yep. You're assuming that, Okay the the Chargers won't make the playoffs. Is this the last stint for for Brandon Staley? Will they have a new head coach next year? Do you think?
1: I think again, going with my gut, I say he is here next season. Okay. Um, it, it just sounds weird to me, and I think I mentioned this on a previous episode. But if if Staley were to to be fired after the season, the Chargers don't make a playoffs. It, it's a huge frustrating bummer whatever. It feels weird. It's a first daily to go and Tom Telesco, not to go with him. Tom Telesco, I think this is 10th or 11th year as the general manager for the chargers. And would you allow that guy to hire his fourth head coach in a 10 and 11 year span? And you have two playoff appearances to your name Two, You do have playoff victories in each of those years, but I mean, the you know, a little over a decade, two playoff appearances, you're on your fourth head coach search. I mean, right, it right. just doesn't make it a whole lot of sense. And and honestly, uh, at the end of the day, I think Tom Telesco's draft record is propped up by his first-round picks that you could argue were pretty, uh, you know, direct. He didn't have to like reach for, or he might have reached for one or two Kenneth Murray. Right. Unfortunately, uh, but I mean, Rashawn Slater, Justin Herbert, Derwin James, Joey Bosa—I mean, these were guys that you just kind of knew were, were picks that were going to be made and they were going to be good, and they were right there for him. Uh, I believe there's rarely any second, uh, second day or third day contracts handed to those players drafted in rounds two through seven. Um, it's really tough. There's no depth in his draft history. I think at the end of the day, that props him up. And when it gets down to it, he hasn't done enough to to make this team the way he wants. Injuries, you know, despite all that. Uh, They're just part of it. But um, I just think if Staley goes, I don't see how Tom Telesco stays.
2: He's Michael Peterson. You can find his fine work at Bulls from the Blue. The Chiefs and Chargers games are over this year, so we'll be watching from afar. So for now, Michael, we'll say happy Thanksgiving to you and, and thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving.
2: And finally, we'll look at the Kansas City Chiefs schedule here. I mean, they play the the Rams, the Bengals, the Broncos, the Texans, the Seahawks, the Broncos again, and and the Raiders. I, I think my record here for the Chiefs, it, it has to be, and I'm reluctant to say this, but I, I think it has to be a running of the table, and I'm trying to be as fair as possible here. And I understand, and, and we had mentioned it all show, I think that when the Chiefs play the AFC West, you really have to throw the records out the window. Just because maybe the Broncos and the Raiders in those final two games are not going to be playing for anything doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to play the Chiefs tough. And you know those fan bases are going to be lit up if the Chiefs are right in position. Let's say you know you're going into those final two games, the Chiefs are right in position to have an AFC buy and get to another Super Bowl. To me... I think that these teams are going to be gearing up to try to to beat the Chiefs, and you've seen it all the time with teams that aren't going to make the postseason. They try to play spoiler, and what better way than an AFC West team who you're sick of to try to knock them off a peg and make their playoff run a little bit harder. Realistically, the Chiefs have the Rams next. They are 14.5-point favorites, unless something unforeseen happens. We don't even know about Matt Stafford. I think they win in that game. Again, the other games, the Broncos, the Texans, the Seahawks, the Broncos, and the Raiders. Giving the division respect, this is the AFC West mixtape. They'll be difficult games, but I think the Chiefs win all of those. I don't think the Seahawks are upsetting the Chiefs at home. I don't think the Texans are doing it. So it comes down to one game for me and that's in two weeks at Bengals. If Jamar Chase comes back and the Chiefs can find a way to beat the Cincinnati Bengals then I I don't think they're going to have a a problem with the rest of the schedule. Again, I'm hesitant to say they're just going to go undefeated here, but if they're able to do that, and I just explained why it seems very realistic if they are able to beat the Bengals, in their home building, which seems like the toughest opponent. And by the way, the really only true revenge game for Kansas City, if there's a game that carries any more weight than the other ones, sorry, Buffalo, and it matters a little bit more to you, but if there's any game that carries more weight, it's this game against the Bengals, where the Bengals beat them two times in about four weeks last year. We know the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. They've been a little bit worse. It has been close for them. If they are able to get chased back, I think it should be a good game. But if the Chiefs can pull that one off, a game that should matter to them, maybe more than the others because of obvious reasons, then I think they probably finish 15-2, and and they won't even have to worry about what teams like Buffalo or Tennessee um, or Baltimore do. They they will hold on to the AFC bye. It's a shame, really, in my opinion, because I, I think – the top two teams of the conference probably deserve it. It's really hard to even finish second in the conference. They changed it a few years ago to make that single buy more important to make the conference winner more important. So it's a lot tougher to do, but we will see if Kansas City can pull it off. A big thing is health. They have had a couple health issues pop up with their running back, Clyde Edwards O'Lare, Juju Schuster with a concussion, Juan Thornhill, who was a team leader for this team. We'll see their statuses. But as we go here, I'm pretty confident that the Chiefs will be able to pull that off and then. Hopefully the AFC West is a little bit more competitive as we get into what would be the 2023 season. But once again, that's it for the AFC West mixtape. We do it each and every month. We try to update you on really, really, this is to serve the other, other teams in the conference, get to the the division, get for you to get to know uh, about some of the details of how it's going with the other teams. I know this is probably much more fun right now for Kansas Citians than it is elsewhere, but as we go here, Uh, We hope to continue to provide a good show, a look at the rest of the division. So thank you to Tim Lynch of Mile High Report. Thank you to Bill Williamson of Silver and Black Pride. Thank you to Michael Peterson of Bolts in the Blue. For all those guys, it's Steve Sert of Behind the Glass. My name is Pete Sweeney. This has been another edition of the AFC
0: West Mixtape.